0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Now from Changi Airport Terminal 5 to Tuas Port, Singapore is pushing on with key infrastructure projects as we emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. In his National Day Rally speech last month, Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong said this will send a clear signal to the world that Singapore is charging ahead. He of course also spoke about the new town that will be built in Pai Lebar after Pai Lebar Air Base is relocated to Changi in the 2030s. To talk more about these infrastructural developments, Eugene Lim joined us he's key executive officer at era realty network hi eugene
1: hello thank you for having me on the show
0: nice to be speaking with you again after several years now here's the thing eugene with more rejuvenation plans for the eastern region of singapore in particular for changi and pai labor Mm. what would all of this really entail for upcoming developments or property launches in those areas and of course the adjacent
1: areas as well that's right. So you find that Changi and Pai are essentially very long-term development plans for the eastern part of Singapore. Pai relocation will only start some eight years from now in the 2030s. And of course, it's freeing up quite a lot of land, enough for new, some 150,000 new homes. And the government will also be introducing commercial and industrial developments. We are building a totally new town. At Palibar, but that transformation will happen only from 2030 onwards, and will be spread out over decades, not overnight. Terminal Five, meanwhile, and its surrounding uh, commercial developments will be rolled out gradually, and slated for completion in 2030s, so some 13 years from now. So, meantime, what is happening in the eastern region is that other part besides these two major projects that have been identified by uh, PMV. Mature towns like Bedok have undergone a beautiful transformation after the government launched their remaking our heartland program. And mature estates like Burdock are seeing like you no, know, they have now got integrated community lifestyle hub like Heartbeat at Bedok, huh? which is a recreational and sports wellness activities all joined the one. So the implications for the transformation of what you call mature estates, has actually benefited not only existing developments there, but for new launch projects in the estate itself. So, for example, like recently launched uh, Sky Eden at Bordeaux did very well and was 75% so on the first weekend.
0: Mm. I know, Eugene, you said that the rejuvenation plans that we alluded to earlier will take mm. a very long time to come into being, right? To actually... Yes see reality in a way. However, we know that property investors and even home buyers in general do plan in advance, right? So they've got to look ahead and see whether it's worth buying a property in a particular area. To what extent do you see all of this actually influencing buying patterns today?
1: Well, the good thing about Singapore's system is that it's extremely transparent. The government tells us way in advance what's going to happen in and around the locations, the various locations. And so we have a lot of advanced information about what's going to happen in the future. So we all know very well that investment and property, the price you pay today is very much affected by what is the development that you intend to buy. And also the future price, the price which you are able to sell in the future, will also very much dependent on what's in the surrounding. So having access to all this information, you find that Singaporean home buyers, whether they are buying for their own use or for investment, they are a pretty well-informed bunch of people. And many of them take advantage of what we call this information to be amongst the first mover so if you are first mover into a location, you basically pay today's price. But when infrastructure in the location itself or even in the neighboring surrounding locations are primed up. So you find that I spoke about Pileba and Changi being very long term play. Mm-hmm. You find that eventually there's a spillover effect simply from the redevelopment of these two locations to not only the area itself, but to the surrounding areas. So if we look at it in perspective, the entire eastern region of Singapore is basically, we can expect property prices to pace itself. Actually, how much you will have to pay for it and buy sell is actually dependent on the market situation then then. But generally, if you look at it over time into the future, you would expect land prices to increase largely because of these developments that are falling in place. And therefore, when land prices go up, you find that existing properties and, for example, if you bought into a new launch now today in the area, you would expect that in the future, you will probably be able to Definitely make profit from the uptrend that you will eventually see. Mm.
0: Now, as we enter the endemic phase of the pandemic, to what yeah. extent have you observed changes in home buyers' preferences when it comes to property, though? I do know of many people who say, oh, they want more greenery or even yeah. larger apartment sizes because they expect to be working from home for the next five to 10 years at least. Yeah. What have you observed?
1: Well, it is indeed very true. Hybrid working arrangements and also lockdowns uh, during the pandemic period, you find that many home buyers, especially those with families, and especially that you finally found that you have to work from home, you know, you would now definitely be looking, paying more attention to space. I think most home buyers, if you ask them today, those that are shopping for homes, they actually specifically look out for very functional and spacious layouts. In addition to that, we are also, you have rightly pointed out that more people are actually turning to greenery. So we find that also interestingly that more people want to live near or next to greenery, want to be involved in doing some form of gardening or outdoor activities, is a very good way to unwind and relax, especially if you're not the type that uh, like to you know, sweat it out when exercising. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, just living next to a green space would be very enriching, you know, relaxing. So we have also seen that in responding to this in market preference, uh, certain developers have also been caught on the trend. So, for example, like Fraser's property, in their new project Sky Eden at Badoke, you find that they have actually put in a sky garden on every level. So, imagine you leave any floor, you open your door, you walk out, there is a sky garden just on your floor itself. You don't really have to go to the park. You know, yeah, yeah. And there's greenery at your doorstep. So little touches like these make a very big difference to the environment that we live. In. And we all know that the development is within the town centre. And one would expect that if you live in the town centre, it's like, you no, know, a lot of hustle bustle. Won't expect to see so much greenery, but more the urban stuff. But clever design, like incorporation of greens and bases where people can enjoy these things actually make the developments more interesting and more livable.
0: You've just given a a lot of developers a lot of ideas on how to be able to command higher prices. Yeah, Eugene? (laughs) Eugene, something else that's come up is the Ministry of National Development's Forward Singapore Engagement Sessions. They've Uh, just had their first one. On public housing. As this process continues, what issues do you think will need to be addressed during conversations on public housing? I know affordability is a very big one on the minds of Singaporeans.
1: So I was fortunate enough to be part of this conversation just on Sunday Mm. and I was actually part of I think the 200 or 300 people that were there. So in our breakout sessions, I think many issues were put forth. I mean, of course, housing affordability is one of key things. Other issues that were discussed were also perhaps looking at right now our housing needs are quite different. We have quite a varied group of people. One particular group that is of big concern would be the singles because it is a known fact that people do get married later in life, but they would like to be able to start earlier in life by owning a home. But right now, the current system for public housing perhaps excluded this group because they draw the line at singles is uh, 35 years old and above, then you're able to buy uh, HDB flats. So I think some of the ideas put forth was perhaps we open to lowering this age to perhaps 30. And one idea that was floated was perhaps can we like, because they buy public housing, then make the minimum occupation period, you no know, because you're younger, 10 years instead of five years. But as an incentive for you to get married earlier, then if once you get married, the MOP on 10 years become five years. This idea, I mean, one of the participants probably could, you know, be more inclusive. At the same time, I mean, if a, a single person were to own a home, he becomes more attractive, right? So he could, <laughs> okay. He could, yeah, he yeah could. I mean,
0: there's a real sociological dimension yeah, to housing, correct. for sure. I know that the government is going to look yeah. into all of these suggestions. Yeah.
1: So, so these are among some of the interesting ideas that were we'll discussed. I mean, okay, yeah. lastly, uh, Eugene, yeah. and yeah. very
0: quickly, affordability. How do you yeah. think that can be managed better Because we've also seen a lot of homes, or more homes, I should say, crossing the $1 million threshold, even though they still make up a very small proportion of total transactions. So affordability moving forward, how to keep those prices in check?
1: Wow, that is a very big challenge. Because I think if you are a developer today, you are not in a very enviable position. Why? Because you have to compete for the land. I mean, to buy land in Singapore, you have to tender for it, right? Either through the government land sales tender or you buy it from the open market through the collective sale. So these two avenues, because of the competitive nature of acquiring land, you are going to have to end up paying very high land costs. So there's only one direction land prices will go in Singapore is, is upward. And the more intense the competition, the higher the land price. That's one problem. Second problem is that Construction cost. Construction cost today is easily thirty to forty percent more than pre-COVID time. You know, there's no way it's going to come down, and we are also faced with inflation all around the world. So developers are being squeezed in that sense that the only thing that can be squeezed is probably their profit margin. So it's not a very, I mean, they and they have to take on the risk you see, of developing the whole project, coming up with a product that is able to sell. So while there is a concern that property prices are escalating and all that, uh, it is in this round not driven by speculation. Mm. And that It is driven by a rise in cost of development, mm. land costs construction cost, and we all know that you know there's very little that i mean while developers will always like to pay lower prices for these they are not able to what are you saying eugene just come to terms with it it's something that we will probably have to adjust to Mm. because right or wrong the only way property prices will be coming down is in a crisis and some people say in a crisis, will you dare to buy the property? You know, if prices start crumbling down, then the a different ballgame altogether, right?
0: Right. So I guess a measure of prudence would certainly help as well. Don't buy beyond your means. And of course, in order to curb speculation, cooling measures should help every now and then. Many thanks, Eugene. Eugene Limke, Executive Officer, ERA Realty Network. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.